Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode 192 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. And ain't Liz Trust doing well since she come into power? I bet old Boris is laughing his socks off. But anyway, firstly as ever, I'd like to thank our Patreon supporters, without whom we wouldn't be able to create this podcast. And unlike the street performers, I'm going to go round with the cap before the act has finished. Because although this content is free for absolutely everyone, if you like what you hear and you want to support us, you can go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile, hit their Linktree drop-down box, and that will direct you to their Patreon page. And from as little as the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can help keep this podcast growing. But as I said, if that's not for you, that's absolutely fine. This content is free for everyone. Well, today I'm taking you to meet illustrator Joe Munro. I met Joe in the spring at Roy's Art Fair. I got chatted to him, loved what he does and why he does it, and invited him on here to tell everyone else. You'll hear in this podcast that the sense of community is very much at the heart of what Joe does. Let me just read you something about Joe in his own words. British illustrator Joe Munro has drawn on locations all around the world. 
His practice stems from reportage principles of illustration, capturing his subjects with layered aesthetic to add depth to the stories he tells. This is another podcast that's been waiting in the wings for some time. It was recorded round about June, but because of other obligations of the Ministry of Arts, we've had to put Joe's and a few other podcasts just to one side while others were released. But it's here now, and that's the main thing. So please... Come and join me as I spoke over Zoom to Joe Monroe. And have you been busy? Yeah, so I've recently, um, so with my kind of illustration work, I've always balanced that with um, kind of art direction and graphic design work. So I work, I've been working in studios um, for the last couple of years, but I've kind of, uh, over the last month, I've stopped doing that um, and kind of, purely focusing on my kind of illustration work and pushing that a lot more. So yeah. the last month or so, that's been really exciting. I've um, been speaking to people about funding grants and some really exciting projects. So, And what uh, direction are you pushing your illustration in? So I've been kind of working on quite a small scale, not too small, but like, pe- uh, you know, paper and small canvases and I've really been looking to kind of move it into much more larger scale pieces because I yeah. think I'm, a lot of the subject matter of my work has been through like with local communities, um, charities, you know, live drawing on site with um, different groups. Um, and it'd be really nice to find a way to take my illustrations and these experiences that I have and transform them into much larger scale things that... Yeah. In like go back into the community and um, be on a larger scale because I think a lot of the illustration work I do that ends up in you know magazines or it's not always accessible yeah um, to you know the everyday person and or they might not go to galleries which are kind of you know like elitist places yeah um so they won't actually get to see the final artwork or be inspired by that so yeah kind of my uh, one of the projects that I'm really excited to be working on is doing some kind of um, reportage drawing, kind of documenting stories of people in Portsmouth in the local area and, you know, their struggles through the cost of living crisis at the moment. Brilliant. And we're going to work out a way of like putting some murals together around the city to kind of inspire people and like, um, or just kind of document inspiring people who go unnoticed really and give them a bit of a voice and a platform to kind of share their story and um so, yeah uh, hopefully bring the community together because i feel like in times of crisis people can feel quite isolated and that they're, they're going through it on their own so i feel like having a mural that has different sections that can kind of um yeah that they can all relate to yeah they can relate to that so that's my plan or one of my plans for a project at the moment super so for those listening, I'm speaking to Joe Munro, who obviously is an illustrator. Um, we met several months ago at Roy's Art Fair, um, mm-hmm. where you was creating an illustration on a, on a glass fire exit so mm-hmm. that people could see it from the outside. And you was just um, documenting the people that was out in the, in the square, wasn't you? Yeah, that's something I quite like to do um, at events like Roy's Art Fair or similar events is do... Uh, live drawing because I find 
um, a lot of people are interested in not just seeing these final pieces of shows, but actually giving them an opportunity to see a bit behind the curtain and watch the artist in play and how yeah, they yeah. create things live. And yeah, drawing on windows is quite fun because you, you're obviously really, people come right up to the drawings, but you're kind of looking back at them within a few inches behind the glass. So well, what I found quite fascinating, Joe, was when I went on the outside and I was taking a few photographs of you while you was doing what you do, but it was quite fascinating watching the nib of the pen that you was using on the window. Then, then you discover what you're drawing as you're discovering it yourself, you know? Yeah, you can kind of, yeah, I think it's quite an uh, interesting experience because you're kind of watching the artist or watching my brain working and how I'm kind of figuring out how to draw figures interacting with each other or I like to include things like overheard conversations or snippets of text and how that could interact with the illustration as well. So it's nice to bring all those little elements. Um, it's kind of quite a raw form of my drawing, really, but it suits itself quite well to um, those live events. And the kind of overarching theme was like over overheard conversations at art fairs. Yeah. So it's just kind of a bit fun as well nice you hear things that people discuss and it can be quite funny to then project them back out onto a window illustration so how did your art journey start joe did you have art in the home growing up uh yeah i, I mean some of my family were like really creative my sisters my older sister was um a really good fine artist painter and she still does that now so i always kind of looked up to her and all her work um and yeah, I, I got on well at school with art classes. Like um, I had really good teachers there. The teachers in the other parts of the school weren't so good. So I kind of, <laughs> and they had a thing at my school, like if you had detentions, you didn't just have to sit there in silence. You could go and do it in a class. Oh, nice. School, so my art teacher was like, well, if you ever get a detention, just come to art. <laughs> like after art. Yeah. Like, I spent a lot of time just like one-on-one, -on -one, like doing, you know, clay pots. Brilliant. All this stuff. It was like, it was like free, you know, <laughs> free education doing these big like murals in, you know, it meant to be like punishment. But yeah, that so, makes yeah, detention got, a bit easier, doesn't it? Yeah. And, you know, I could, I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'll just, um, you know, work on my next or even or... even purposely playing up in class so that you get detention for a bit of a extra curricular activity you know yeah so i i think um yeah i've always you know like drifted towards kind of creative things and um i didn't always know i kind of still don't know where i'll end up with it and i kind of float between different projects but that's why it's called a journey isn't it you you, yeah. you don't know what the destination's going to be do you <clears throat> yeah but I think that's also quite exciting and why I kind of like the job that I do because I get asked to do things, you know, like live drawing at a gallery or, you know, these like weird and wonderful projects that you get invited to do and it keeps you on your toes. And um, yeah, it's not like when you're doing, you know, studio jobs, it can be quite, um, you know, the same thing, repetitive yeah. each time you're doing like some of the designs, but I find yeah, in a this kind of freelance illustration world, you get you know requests to do quite you know different things, and that's quite an important yeah, part good. of the job for me to keep the variety. Yeah, well, that's that's the good side of the commercial 
art is because you're you're forever changing your subject, aren't you? You know. Yeah. Um, and how did you get directed towards illustration from from school? Um. So I was quite. So I started in, I, went, I did it at a college, did a foundation in um, art and design. And when I was there, I was doing kind of a lot of these, like, I didn't actually know really what it was, but I was doing these kind of like reportage drawings of cityscapes, um, mainly in, around, in and around London. And that kind of led me to actually go and study architecture because I was just really interested in like, on being on location, drawing these like people and how they interacted with spaces. Um, and was doing these large kind of paintings of that. And after looking around four or five architecture universities, I was like, yeah, I don't think this is, although I'm drawing buildings here, this isn't really what I'm trying to capture. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to capture like, the essence of it or the energy of an environment, not necessarily actually build the building itself. Um, and kind of that's what led me to then think about doing illustration because I kind of was at a university looking at architecture and stumbled across the illustration uh, pathway. And I was like, yeah, that's a bit kind of more what I think I do. So yeah, I ended up saying, I don't want to do seven years of architecture. Illustration <laughs> 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 would be way more suited to me. But um, yeah, I was, I was fortunate. I ended up going to Bristol University, um, UWE, the University of the West of England. and. Yeah, I did uh, illustration course there, which was really good. Um, and the some of the lecturers that taught me were uh, specialised in like kind of reportage illustration. Or oh, there you go. Site illustration. So they the stars really, were aligned, eh? Yeah. And my first year project was um, I was kind of trying to track where local food came from. And so I was speaking to my local fishmonger. He said, well, unlike like supermarkets i try and get local fish and we tracked it down to weymouth is where he got all this fish from so i spent like one of my projects in the first year was going out on boats with local fishermen and like doing live drawing documenting how they catch the i bet they like, must have flat. thought you was balmy didn't they <laughs> oh yeah people think that anyway but um yeah, yeah. no that it was good and it kind of just loosens me up because I thought, well, I'm on a boat, it's rocking, like mistakes are going to get made here. It's a real test of like my drawing, like, draftsman ability, but yeah. some of the results that came away from it, I really like the aesthetic of the drawings because it's just, you could feel the energy of the boat and like the conversations people were having or when they got like snagged on something or when things go right and things go wrong, you're kind of capturing the warts and all of an environment. Yeah. and. I think that was the side of illustration that I was like really excited about. Good. And, well, it was that, that way. it was that sort of community attitude that that really stood out when we was having chats at Roy's Art Fair. You're sort of oozing empathy for other people, and you know it comes out in your work, and it does emit off of the page, yeah, or the window in your case. Yeah, I feel like as an artist, um, kind of looking inward at myself, I kind of feel like you have a role and whatever you're capturing, you can use that role as a platform to sort of give people a voice who don't often have a voice or yeah. use your, like, you know, whatever you include, you can then, you can reach people on subject matters that they don't normally talk about as well. Yeah, I've definitely. done that before when 
I did a project about um, it was in the run up to an election, but it was talking about like the, high, the higher and higher usage of food banks and what they're actually used for. And that I kind of wanted to invite people through the artwork to kind of learn a bit more about what happens at a food bank. So I don't yeah. think people necessarily understand that or who works at a food bank and who actually ends up coming to a food bank. So it's not always people who are you know, just desperate for food. It might be people who are in full time jobs and they're getting paid all right salaries and they still can't afford to live a normal life and they're having to use it as well. So I think they can be stigmatised in certain ways. I kind of wanted to shine a light on what they're actually like. Through the and it's hard to get your head around that sentence that you just used, that there's people, even professionals, going to work mm. and can't afford to fucking feed themselves in this day and age. Yeah, and it's... It's bonkers, you, you know, it, but the thing is, we hear it so often now, Mm. It's just become part of our life and, and we don't sort of think about it or not, we don't, but you know, it, you just become so fucking, I, I can't even think of the word. You come, mm. become so used to hearing these words. It has, doesn't have the impact it initially did until you step back and just think about a bloody nurse going to work and having to get pop into the food bank on the way home. It's disgusting, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think the more you hear it, it gets normalized and, I think people think that these charities, it's their role to kind of fix these problems, but yeah. they're almost just putting plasters over exactly like existing problems, you know, in society. And I think it's interesting listening to like, you know, people like spoke to people for like the Trussell Trust or um, Food Share and like big charities like that. And they kind of say that, like, you know, the numbers keep going up and up and we're having to obviously up their operation, but we're not addressing the problems that are leading to this it's just they're having to kind of you know yeah up their scale of how many people they're having to feed and it's it's crazy really but yeah i think you know art has a role and um it's kind of a responsibility of an artist definitely to use their work to shine light on stories like that so that's what i try to do well you have a lot of emotion in your work and put sorry you put a lot of emotion into your work. Which piece that you've created has got the strongest emotional connection, do you think? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I, I did a, a piece um, during the pandemic and it, it was kind of a quite a loose brief, but it was like, what would you see hope for like post pandemic? So what could you give, uh, how would you give people hope within the city? And for me, there's a there's a like, local festival happens in the city. And when I used to live in London, I used to always come back for this little festival at home. And it was just kind of a moment in time where like friends and family would all meet up at this like little um, festival and get together, have a dance, and just be around each other. And you, I think pre-pandemic, we all just took those kind of moments for granted a little bit. So I took the uh, song lyrics of Vera Lynn, We'll Meet Again, and I changed that to We'll Dance Again. Nice. And, um, yeah, it was a little nod to that. And yeah, I kind of used a compilation of loads of different people who, you know, friends and family or people who posted pictures of, you know, the good times they had had at the festival. And I brought that together into one image. And yeah, it got posted up all around the city. and. Oh, nice. Lots of people really liked the poster and it kind of resonated with people. And I think at that time, people really needed something like that to show, you know, 
this pandemic won't go on forever. And it did feel a bit like that at the time. And yeah, I quite liked, you know, the message and um, doing it for my local city and the people and yeah, got a lot of positive feedback on the poster. So yeah, good. Well, it's, it's hard as an artist to get feedback from the viewer because we put an image up on the wall and then we walk away from it and we don't know the feedback unless we get sort of messages on social media or what have you. But it's a beautiful thing when, when you do hear that it has touched someone or affected someone in some way, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think if you can get that connection with people, with the content that we're trying to put out there, like that's what kind of draws me to being an artist, really. Um, obviously, I, I know there's value in the aesthetic of the drawing as well. And yeah. that also takes a lot of time to get that right and, you know, capture the energy. But if the content can really connect with people and like in a good way and make them feel better, then that is definitely a bonus and um, I'm doing my job. But I still get people today, even though I, that was a job I did a few years ago, and they'll go, oh, I know you, you're the bloke who did the poster. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, it still sticks in their mind, I think, which is nice. It can be so powerful, and it's not just like, yeah, an image, but if it can transport people like in their own way to, like, you know, connect them to, like, someone, and they love or you know inform those like reignite those connections and just has so much power hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And that's like so good. As an Isn't that a beautiful thing? Yeah. Jeff, there was you and five other creatives, past and present. What would your ideal group show be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I really like Ai Weiwei, the Chinese artist. Um, I've just, yeah, whenever I've been to his exhibitions, I just really felt, you know, it has such strong concepts behind his work and, um, yeah, the like, aesthetics of, like, his sculpture. And he just kind of dives off into so many different directions of what he's doing but yeah it's always just got such a powerful idea that I just yeah to share a stage with someone like that would be insane um so yeah definitely him Grayson Perry would definitely be an artist so Blinding. he's just yeah he's kind of like an artist's artist I think I think everyone kind of looks up to him for the work he's done and yeah he's so kind of knowledgeable of 
like the art scene, but not in a pretentious way. He kind of okay. says it how it is. And um, I think his work like, comes out in his work. And like, some of the uh, big tapestry pieces he's done, like especially in the UK, I think they're like incredible. And they are good, aren't they? they? About society and culture and, you know, taste. Um, and yeah, his, his, he did a series of reflectures and they always stick in my mind and whenever I'm walking around, whenever I'm walking around galleries and he said something like if you saw the work in a skip would you take it out of the skip and I always think that <laughs> looking at piece, like, if I walked past that and that was in the skip would I take it out the first time I ever saw Grayson Perry's work I didn't know Grayson Perry I saw his work first mm. and it was owned by Saatchi and at the time Saatchi was renting the um, the GLC building um, on the Thames there. So we was in this old, like it looked like a 1920s building, you know, like oak panels and that sort of thing. Mm. And I was walking down this corridor and there was all these artworks, ceramics on pedestals. And I saw his one, like, you know, a, a few sculptures away. And I thought, oh, that looks good. And, and I'd never seen anything like that. Mm. Yeah, it, it fucking blew me away that his work they're a great way to discover an artist you know yeah and uh, yeah he's also kind of moved in lots of different directions with his practice and yeah. it's always interesting to see what he comes up with but anyway to... sorry to hijack your list there a moment ah it's all right it's uh so that's two um who else i think ralph steadman's probably got to be in there nice um, because i think yeah he's always been a reference point for me in terms of like uh, the way him and Hunter S. Thompson and yeah. journalism and that really influenced me and I was excited by the work he did. And just in my work, I always try to capture the energy of the environment that I'm in. And I think he just does that on another scale in his cartoons. And it kind of comes from like a foundation of reportage drawing. Um, but the way he's just got this like exaggerated like uh, mark making that yeah, yeah. really makes you feel like Things are moving across the page. Um, Brilliant! I think it's amazing, and he's, he's kind of bonkers, really. I think it's all the drugs, but it, <laughs> his work's amazing. And um, yeah, I always, you know, references where I've got one of his pieces up behind, actually, one of the, the Doctor Gonzo piece. But yeah, nice. So yeah, definitely want to share a stage with him. Um, who else would I like? Um, there's an artist called George Brose who. Uh, oh, the name doesn't ring a bell. What's his work? He did a lot of like documentation in Germany of the like Weimar Republic. Okay. And kind of the different um, structures within the class system in Germany. Yeah, the, the, like he did these like huge like kind of a bit like cubist kind of paintings. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've always been fascinated by his work, and I've got a load of his books and drawings, and I always look back at his kind of sketchbook work and how he tries to talk about, yeah, how, you know, the greedy businessmen like post-war were like taking from like different people in society. Yeah. yeah, just this kind of class war that comes out in the paintings, I think, yeah, really interesting artist. Um, how many more have I got? Uh, one. One more. You can have as many as you like, mate. <laughs> oh. I think, Anthony Gormley, probably. Yeah, perfect. I, I just, I'm just thinking about exhibitions I've been to that really kind of just like engaged me so much with their work. And I feel with him, 
you could just see from like this little A6 sketchbook in his mind, just like looking at, you know, with the human form and the figure, how he could like translate, you know, these emotions people felt on such grand scale. And it's just nice to go on that kind of journey with him, seeing how he like evolved these tiny little drawings into like these maquettes. And then yeah. that being, you know, 100 foot tall stone sculptures that your Angel of the North or, you know. Pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, I think they're amazing, you know, how it's kind of weird. It's kind of like quite distracting when you're driving along the motorway. You've got this like, nice <laughs> I've never, I've never driven past it. No, it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, but I've seen quite a few of his like sculptures out in the wild and yeah, they've always like fascinated me. Just, just to see that transition from a little sketch you might do and how it, where it could potentially end up. Yeah, so like ambitious. There, yeah, there's such a void between the sketch and the finished piece, isn't there? You feel like there yeah. should be three or four stages in between. Yeah, I just quite like artists who are brave enough in an exhibition to not shy away from their, you know, sketchbook and yeah. show off like warts and all of how they go on their journey to get from, you know, A to B. And they, they show the maquettes that might look a bit rough around the edges or are made out of, you know, cheap materials and they don't care about that and I think um he definitely did that in the uh, Royal Academy show and uh, yeah I, I agree are there any standout collaborations or um commissions that you've had yeah so I've done a project recently which um has been going on for a couple of years really but I found it really interesting it's working with um a guy called James Sharp and there's a He's a filmmaker, documentary filmmaker, and we were working with a record company called Captured Tracks in America, and we were making a film, or he was making a film, about a guy called Martin Newell, who had been in a band called um, The Cleaners from Venus, and he kind of didn't want the limelight in his life and just kind of made these tracks in his home, but had become kind of famous around the world for all <laughs> these tracks that he'd made. Um, and he had a really interesting story and he was a really kind of quirky guy. And yeah, I was, you know, brought on board to the project to uh, make these kind of animated and illustrated sections within the project. And I just found it really interesting to, you know, use all these different things like interviews and old like film footage and ephemera and try and bring that into these like animated shorts that are ended up being in the film. And um, yeah, James was a great guy and, um, I really felt like it was a new direction for me to kind of push my illustrations and how they could be used. And they kind of lended them quite, quite well to this kind of work and where it's like, you know, very quick um, illustrations and text that kind of overlaid over each other. Yeah. Um, you know, with little uh, bits of spot colour to highlight, you know, different yeah, things. Yeah, nice. Telling these wacky stories. So, yeah, that was um, a really interesting project to work on. Um, yeah, I was going to say about working with my friend, so Mr. Doodle. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done like, quite a few projects throughout the years, and that's always been like, a fun project to work on. Um, but you've worked on a few with him? Yeah, so when, when I was at uni, I was at uni with Sam. Yeah. And we, you know, always spoke to each other and helped each other out on projects, really. So we've always been, you know, good friends, and we, you know, were speaking yesterday about different projects but um like whenever we 
like hang out with each other. We always try and like do a like collaboration of some. Yeah, yeah. So I'd just been to one of the collaborations we did was at Times Square, and we've been speaking about meeting up. And when I got back from New York, I was thinking be really interesting to see how his kind of like digital art or you know graphic art yeah kind of would merge with my style of like an environment and i kind of was in new york i thought somewhere like times square is kind of perfect because it is this merge of life and digital and yeah it was a bit you know like you're in the metaverse so i quite liked the idea of doing this times yeah times square mural panoramic and yeah so i bought a biggest canvas i could and yeah, <laughs> took it down to sam's studio in kent and um yeah we did a big uh, mural of that but that was a couple of years ago more recently like post pandemic we did um another piece which was kind of based on a similar idea but we did um some of our favorite places around london so we did camden um borough market and Piccadilly Circus and we did a tube train piece as well but yeah we kind of just like really felt that it works like our illustrations come together in this way yeah. it pushes us in both the new direction and the challenge of like how you know you're going to have this bit of space I'll have this bit of space or you know, how we're going to balance things to make them work so well it's funny because you very probably I presume use a fine liner quite often he uses paint pens, which the nib is possibly 20, 30 millimetres wide. And yeah, pulling them two together is quite a thing on its own, isn't it? Yeah, so we kind of had to agree on like the aesthetics of the pen, yeah. or, uh, pen choices. And I kind of tried to get him to, on when I've been working, I tried to use like yeah, thicker pens when you're trying to bring out the foreground and then like, smaller nibs so you get that depth um so he did like mix up a bit um which i felt really helped because you've got these really like bold graphics like, yeah around, and then you kind of have this depth and all these kind of smaller adverts as it drops back and um yeah it's nice to have those little spots of color and picking out um yeah different like interesting things or i'd do a drawing of a person then he you know give him like a doodle jacket and it just make the it would make the illustration really pop so um yeah i think it worked out quite nicely and uh, mr doodle has had quite a a very rapid rise within the art world and social media world hasn't he and uh, how long would you say it's gone because he's got something like 1.2 1.5 million followers followers on instagram hasn't he yeah i think yeah i think it's even more than that I think it's like and how long has it taken him for to to come to that amount um I think it's not very long, really. Probably it's amazing, isn't it? Under ten years, but I think he was like when I first met Sam. Like he was just a very unique guy in terms of you know the speed at which he could create work, and he was very set on you know what he wanted to do. And we discuss ideas, and I'd say this to I teach at university some illustration courses, but I always reference it that you have a chat with Sam about an idea, you'd come back the next day and he's done it. Brilliant. Like, yeah, I've gone and done it. What should I do yeah. next? It's like, whereas some students, you know, spend two or three weeks thinking about, oh, should I do this or yeah. that? Sam was very direct, you know, he'd be like, oh, you could do like, you know, projections onto buildings and maybe do some like, illustrations like this. And he'd be like, 
come back the next day like, yeah, so I've got the projector. <laughs> yeah. Last night at 3am, what do you think? And you're like, yeah. I just think that kind of energy and speed, there's a lot of like factors to why he's been successful as he is, yeah. but I just think that, you know, speed and like dedication and you never you, you won't ever meet a person who's more dedicated and has devoted so much time to their art career than Sam. So and he comes across as a very nice guy as well on, on top of all that. Yeah, really nice guy. And um, yeah, we've always remained good friends and it's a pleasure to do pieces with him. Um, so he's a very busy guy. So yeah, it's been really nice to do projects like that. And well if you wasn't an artist, Joe, what would you like to be? I wasn't an artist. What would I like to be? I think my I'd love to be in a band. Really, I think I, I think if I'm a failed uh, musician. Turned, and what what uh, type of music would be your music of choice? I, I think. Well, I, I saw uh, Guns and Roses last weekend, and uh, to be in a band like that, I think when I was growing up, trying to play guitar and be a front man, <laughs> I think um, yeah, rock and roll band. Probably. Nice. Um, but yeah, so something like that would be my dream job, but I don't think. So you could see yourself on the pyramid at Glastonbury. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, I would like to have thought so. You can at least do a backdrop. You can yeah, meet yourself exactly. halfway. <laughs> yeah, I'll do, I'll do a pyramid takeover at some point. But <laughs> that's got to be second best. Right, Joe, um, have you got anything coming up in the pipeline? So I've got a project coming up the in Portsmouth. They're building a um, like undercover skate park. Oh, nice! And um, I'm currently planning like a really large scale mural in the skate park. Um, and it's going to kind of be about you know people in the city. It's a crowdfunded campaign, so it's going to reference like the contributions of people that have made to make the project happen, but. Yeah, it's an enormous project and really ambitious, and the guys running it are great. Um, so it's called the Undercover Skate Park Project, but doing a, a large-scale mirror for those guys. Um, and it's kind of in tandem with the other mural projects that I've got going on in the nice. city. So I think, yeah, the main things that um, people should look out for is kind of just more my large-scale mural work. And yeah, if you see anything about it, like, let me know. But I think these are just a few projects that I've got going. And yeah, I think by August, September time, there'll probably be more things going on um, in a similar fashion. So We had an artist on here a while ago called My Dog Size, who'd done a big exhibition in Portsmouth. Did you go to that at all? It was in, is it an old casino or something? Yeah, yeah. My Dog Size has been kind of a um, really big name in Portsmouth. Um, yeah all his well, lots of different projects but yeah his definitely his mural work and you see it all over the city really um, yeah and, and another another damn nice guy yeah really nice guy um yeah it's good to see like creatives doing stuff in the city i think it's a really brave thing to do to take on a project like that and get it funded and um yeah it's amazing like the support you can get when you've got an idea and you're trying to realize it but um, yeah, yeah, you've got to be brave to do it, and it's not an easy feat at all. So no, no and yeah, well. from speaking to him, it was a, a lot of hard work, a hell of a lot. Yeah, and Joe, where can anyone find you, be it website or social media? Um, so best place is just 
it's probably go on my website, which is just uh, my name, which is joemunro.com, J-O-E-M-U-N-R-O.com. And then my uh, Instagram handle is just joe, J-O-E underscore M-U-N. Perfect. Grab me there. Right, Joe, that's all my questions asked. Thank you very much for your time. And it's very much appreciated. Oh, no worries. Thank you for having me. It's uh, yeah, nice to catch up with you since uh, seeing you at Roy's Fair. And um, yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you then and a pleasure talking to you now. So. See you later, right. mate. All the best. Right, take it easy, mate. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers, we decided from the offset to go ad-free, which means obviously we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, ta catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 